Sustainer Babble 37. 37. Now, this is all a bit odd, isn't it? Because at the time of speaking to you, we haven't even recorded Sustainer Babble 35. Or 36. Or 36, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> crazy, isn't it? I'd imagine by the time you are listening to this, we will be rolling around in a mince pie and sherry induced stupor. As yes. I hope you have been. Um, in fact, I hope this is the first thing you've done when you've come round from your kind of mince pie coma. Indeed so. So we are uh, your friendly little environment podcast about why everything to do with politics and the planet is so confusing and why can't people just uh, speak up and make more sense. This is a special edition uh, and it's about technology and specifically it's about whether or not too much faith is placed in technology to save us and what technology looks like and whether or not it will save us and so what did we go and do about it all well we decided we didn't know anything about it ourselves as per so we went and well we don't uh, usually (laughs) we don't (laughs) usually decide that no no. no, we usually plow on regardless it is the case (laughs) (laughs) it is the case that we don't know anything about it but we found somebody who does and that somebody is a very very lovely person called Kirsty Stiles now she is the host of the weekly economics podcast um, and in fact interviewed us so the tables were turned and we went over to her gaff and asked her some lovely little questions about lovely little technology and um, well here's how it went Hello, Kirsty. <laughs> Hello, Ollie. Hello. Hello, Hello Kirsty. Hello, Dave. Can you tell the Babble Army who you are? The Babble Army, I can. Uh, my name is Kirsty Styles. Um, I am um, a presenter uh, of the weekly economics podcast, which is from the New Economics Foundation, which some people may have heard. Um, I'm also a tech journalist for a uh, tech site called The Next Web. Ooh. Well, it's very nice to see you and to have you in our podcast. And thank you for having us on your podcast as well, which we were the other week, and it was lovely. We're here to ask you a few questions about all things tech and, and the environment. Um, it's a thing that we've talked about a little bit, but we're not really sure, as with everything uh, on this podcast, we're not really sure whether tech's a good thing, whether it's going to sort out the planet and save us all, or whether it's a massive diversion and it's just people fiddling with their toys while they should be, you know attacking power structures and stuff so yeah any initial thoughts on that goodness um i mean i overall i would probably tend to agree with you guys there are obviously certainly an awful lot of systemic problems that won't be changed if you know bill gates says he's gonna put some money behind clean tech but i mean a lot of the things that we are kind of going to use to either um slow or mitigate against or prevent uh, disastrous climate change do come from the tech industry, whether it's kind of the tech that you necessarily think of, the software developers maybe not, but hardware certainly, and actually how uh, increasingly how hardware talks to each other, um, which is software kind of stuff. What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Web-enabled infrastructure. So um, you've got an awful lot of kind of dumb infrastructure um, in buildings, in homes, you know, heaters or, um, you know, uh, yeah, thermostats and uh, even all of your appliances, but on a grander scale, huger scale, if you think about, um, you know, the um, estate of 
RBS, you know, if it's got however many buildings across the country, um, companies like that, homes like mine, um, could be much more smart. Um, things could be talking to each other and therefore understanding, we could understand our consumption and at a larger scale, companies and, you know, countries could understand their consumption in a much more, um, you know, data-driven way. And that, people would argue, would mean that we could start to address some of the, our energy consumption but do you think, I mean, so there's a lot of uh, whizzy kids out there doing whizzy stuff with technology. And sometimes people just you sound like say, such an old man. I really, <laughs> I feel like an old man. In fact, people have been saying in Paris at the climate talks there, they've been saying, well, these wind turbines and solar panels and stuff, they're old technology. We need to invest in new technology and we need to not bother with the things that we're doing already and do some new things. And do you think that that is basically right? I mean, what's the sense in tech world? Do these guys think that they're going to save the earth um, or what? Um, I still think that there's a bit of a kind of disconnect between people who are working, who are tech people and people who are working in environmental things. So I would call it clean tech. Um, and that would cover everything from from software that um, helps you understand energy efficiency to all the way over to a, a wind turbine, you know, the hard kind of engineering side. But um, apart from, you know, with people like Tesla um, and solar storage batteries and things like that, um, it's quite Re- recent uh, development that that tech seems to encompass um energy efficiency um and environmental type stuff um and so a lot of the whizzy kids i would suggest are solving problems that are kind of immediate day-to-day problems for them in fact not even problems so you know um how do i get a date without having to have anything other than a face tinder great you need stuff other than a face <laughs> well at least on the second day. Yes. <laughs> Only when you get there. And by that point, you know, you can grab them with your face and, uh, <laughs> and you know, that's it. Um, and, you know, uh, so how do you make money from stuff you already own? Airbnb um, and the like. Um, and so there's... And that's where the money seems to be going as well. Um, so there is not necessarily a great deal of impetus uh, towards things that might not make you a million bucks or actually might take a lot more research and development and a lot more investment money when you can, you know, create an app that essentially mines people's data and um, make a million pounds and, and walk away kind of thing. How do you get loads more clean tech? I mean, if, if actually what people are interested in doing is making horrible things that steal your data and stuff that means you can have sex, how do you make clean tech sexy for whiz kids and technology developers? What needs to happen? Interestingly, the greatest uh, leaps in innovation have been made around, uh, well, by war, uh, defence, uh, and uh, pornography. So the, the the humble VHS was a, uh, a um, design born out of uh, people's desire to find watch people having sex in their own home without, you know, having to go to the cinema and do it in front of people. I've just had an appalling thought that I bet there are people listening to this podcast who genuinely don't know what VHS is. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, not a, it's not a disease. <laughs> I was gonna it probably come up is with, a disease. Yeah, I was, was going to come up with a, a really hilarious alternative thing that it could be. I don't even know what it stands for. What's VHS stand for, guys? No idea. Video, Video has <laughs> something. <laughs> I heard you on the wireless back in 52. Uh, yes, it's a, it's a kind of uh, larger than a, a hand-shaped uh, plastic object that you used to stick inside your TV with information on it, like a film. Yeah. Like Netflix in pieces. <laughs> yeah, nice. 
It was like people built entire kind of libraries to house these things, didn't they? Because you would, but it's, it's what people had before they had DVDs. Um, but they also and a DVD is... for everyone who doesn't know is <laughs> it's like a CD. Oh, that no. is a disease. That is definitely a disease. <laughs> <laughs> So there are people working on this already, but yeah, I think it's a young person's kind of thing. Uh, it's when the question is not, how do I make money out of this or how do I make more money out of this kind of questions. It's, you know, that's a secondary if a question at all. It's when people's minds change to a point where they think, I want to do this because it matters and because we have to do it now. And I think that is happening. Um, I wanted to ask you about big, heavy, clunky industry, right? I want to ask you about the UK. So I've got a friend who is a Tory, um, and I was talking to him about the steel industry and heavy industry and all these places that are struggling and the government should, will the government bail them out or not? And he said, what's the bloody point? He said, the UK's future lies in whizzy technology and making cool stuff like we've been talking about, not in dirty, great, old Victorian heavy industry stuff. Do you think it's a choice for the UK? Is George Osborne making such a choice and is that the right choice to kind of make so i think one of the immediate challenges the same with when they close down the coal mines is what's your contingency plan for those people who are highly skilled in something that you are now choosing not to invest in anymore um so that would be a huge concern for me and then if you can kind of take those people's skills and put them into something different uh yeah i mean so for example i think that if 3D printing becomes the thing that it's supposed to be, um, you never have to ship a product ever again. You just shop online for whatever the design is and print it out at a local uh, a local 3D printing place. And, you know, it kind of ends China, but that stops. Um, <laughs> it kind of stops. So you, that's not my evil plan. Um, I think China will have a few things to say about being ended. But, uh... Yeah, but it's, but it's that, you know... Uh, I mean, and obviously, but then that's another contingency plan, isn't it? So it's all about this kind of law of unintended consequences. There's this great story about um, the people who first made plastic and the reason that they made it, or maybe the, not the first, but some guys who made some really um, initial leaps uh, with making plastic was because they had metal water cups at water ca- water fountains in kind of municip- municipal water fountains um, that people used to share and that used to spread cholera. And so they were like, great, we, we've got this thing, everyone can have one. And then, you know hundreds of years later and we've got barbie dolls with their legs sticking out of rubbish jumps and like you know plastic is just you know an eternal bananas wrapped in plastic yeah yeah yeah. it's 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 obviously and these guys just had no idea they were like we've solved this specific problem so obviously um any kind of innovation well not obviously a lot of the time innovators do not think about the the unintended consequences of what they do uber for example i don't think um has thought a great deal about what it is actually doing to the world they're now uh, just sorry, a, bit of a, a bit of a slide but um, they've, they're now launching a new thing called Uber Commute um, in Chicago which is where they get um, people who are already driving into a city to kind of be an Uber driver and share a commute with somebody and then split the um, split the charge takes maybe take some cars cars off the roads but they've just got a load of people to uh, become Uber drivers to do that service and so already having already f- people over in the first oh god <laughs> having already f those people over in the first place by not employing them you know not having a workforce not in any cars now they're actually inviting ordinary people to get involved as well and that just kind of disassociates the people from their work um in general but anyway but with with uber um i get the feeling it changes very quickly um so in a way you know people criticize it 
um, for one particular floor. You know, I don't know how they're doing on their tax, actually, probably still quite badly. But because the nature of the technology means, all right, we can we can change stuff quickly. And um, I sort of have a bit of hope with those sorts of services that you can through public pressure and because they got such profile high profile you can sort of build campaigns to make them better and then they will be better um and it is as somebody who does use uber and even though i probably know i shouldn't it is it's everything i thought like technology was supposed to be like you just look at your phone and then it tells you where the nearest cab is and you telling it tell it to come to you and stuff and it's brilliant isn't it yeah, so I mean, endlessly convenient, and uh, yeah, I have to say, I'm, I am an Uber user as well. And yeah, what they do—they do not own any, own any cars. They do not employ any drivers. Um, Airbnb doesn't own any rooms. It doesn't, um, you know, employ any staff to service rooms. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is sharing economy um, in a way. Um, and public pressure, I guess, is changing certain things in certain countries where they've not been allowed to operate due to X, Y, and Z reason. But these people are, you know, ultimately doing this for as much profit as they can get. And somebody gets jacked over in the end of that. And the drivers, as far as I can tell, have been, uh, they have to pay a service charge. Uh, they have to pay um, a portion of their uh, of each ride to Uber for the provision of the technology, which is actually, obviously, there's been a huge investment with it to begin with. But then software kind of is software. They obviously have to, have to update it, but it's not exactly like, um, you know, owning a steel factory. Um, and so I think their perception of how much work they're really doing might be out of kilter, although, I mean, that's easy for me to say. I couldn't develop any software if I tried. Back to the question about um, heavy industries. Um, yeah, so, so, so 3D printing, as I said, is a, is a great example. People are now creating networks of 3D printers that just exist and using that spare capacity uh, or hoping to use that spare capacity if people needed to print it. So that could be, you know, there's a gallery down the road that has one just for the odd thing, for prototyping X, Y, and Z, and then you can buy an hour with it, print out your thing. Buy an owl? Hour. by an an hour's printing time print off whatever it is customize it and um you know zero shipping uh kind of cost so do you think it's do you think 3d printers are going to ultimately eliminate the need to ship stuff across the world because that's massive isn't it that's like that's one of the most fundamental things i could think about changing so that's what people are trying to do so that that this is where the kind of the innovators start to seem to have some kind of social conscience they're perhaps not necessarily the driving force isn't to to eliminate shipping um it's to maybe make it more convenient um and to you know use capacity where capacity exists but um that starts to have yeah profound effect and and then you never overproduce anything so if you you don't print you you know you don't um make thousands of barbie dolls that just get thrown away because nobody wants them anymore you only make what you need um and so i think that could kind of profoundly change are the makeup of our economies. I think that's that's the bit that's even more interesting than the shipping stuff is the idea that you won't theoretically have any waste in theory, or at least you, you know you won't, but you have loads of stuff sitting around. That's exciting, <laughs> isn't it? You won't have any waste until the thousands of yes. things you've ordered off of the three three D printer you get bored of, and then you get. <laughs> but at least you get an owl out of it. There's still a place for manufacturing. There's still a place for um, skilled jobs. Um, software naturally eliminates jobs 
uh, you automate yourself out of the process. Uh, there's a great report from Deloitte, actually, um, called Agile Towns, which um, said that half of all secretarial jobs and a third of all uh, travel agents had gone in London in the last 10 years. So it's those those wow. really, yeah, that like the less skilled um, jobs that are, um, that are, that decrease because you can just get a computer to do it. Um, you know, task rabbit or whatever, where you can get somebody for five dollars to do whatever you want them to do. Um, Administration-wise, what, what is a task rabbit? So, task rabbit. There's a few. Uh, is it anything platforms. to do with an owl? <laughs> there are a few different platforms that do it, and I and I can't bring any more to mind. So, task rabbit is what I'll use. But it's basically, um, I need somebody to pick up my dry cleaning, or I need somebody to do a bit of design, web design for me. It really, really diminishes the value of what people do because you can yeah, get right. somebody in a different part of the world who doesn't have the same costs as you to you know be a, a like bid for a job um, and. Uh, That's amazing. Sorry. Hello, microphone. That's amazing. Yeah. Isn't well, it? It, no, it's it, bad. It's, it's bad, bad, isn't it? It's, it's bad. bad. It's a bit horrible. Is it? In detached and... Oh. Well, it's globalisation. It's, 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 it's kind of product of globalisation, but it doesn't... They, again, like an Uber, don't really have a responsibility to look at the unintended consequences. And they're like, if you can get this done for X price, then you're going to do it because cost might be mm. your main driver. Um, and obviously, it's kind of good that you're, you know, you've got somebody in a different part of the world who might need the money. You know, that might mean a lot of money to them. However, what does that mean for a graphic designer who would need, you know, 200 quid a day or whatever to, to work in London to do that kind of job? And somebody will do it in an hour for you. Um yeah, so it's, again, it's kind of challenging. Oh, yeah, so, but um, the Adult Towns report actually said that there would be a net increase in jobs in London. So, um, but they're being, so those low-skilled jobs are being replaced by really highly-skilled jobs, um, building the tech infrastructure that we need. But that, that, then that, again, kind of creates a cycle where you'd probably get rid of a whole load more jobs because you're just finding highly-skilled people to get rid of the jobs of lowly-skilled people. Um that's it. It's the people in the middle, isn't it? It's the middle classes that are stuffed. Like, if you're just uh, uh, someone on the middle sort of income, you're buggered, aren't you? Like, people who can do stuff for really cheap, they're all right. People who've got skills that no one else has got, they're all right. But what about all the people in the middle? Mm, I don't know whether I agree with that, but I'd say middle class kind of professional type jobs, you know. Well, actually, no, maybe they're lost as well. Yeah, you can automate teachers, you can automate lawyers. So there's um, there's a new kind of area of tech called law tech. Um, and you can, I, I know a guy who, who works in it who was saying that they were automating out um, the, are they called like legal secretaries or something like that? You know, people, yeah. they, yeah, they get the yeah. kind of administration-y type. Paralegals. Type. Paralegals, yeah, 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 those guys. Um, but they're automating those out. Uh, and wow. yeah, and I mean, I guess you can't automate nurses and doctors but then uh, you can't afford to live in London if you're, if you're a nurse oh no I'm just doing this to while away the journey how does this all this is a bit of a hippie question and we're a bit of a hippie podcast so I'm allowed uh, how does this affect people's interaction with them with each other and with the natural world and what does it do to their brains because you keep you, you know you get studies that say actually the physicality of kids playing in mud you know releases certain kind of hormones and, and increases well well-being and getting outside and playing in and amongst nature is a good thing uh, if if all of our tasks are able to be done by somebody we never meet on the other side of the world and we don't actually need to leave our bedroom and we can just sit in our pants playing playstation while stuff goes on around us how does that like help humanity 
yeah, that again is something that I I find uh, genuinely concerning. I um, think it's it's kind of too early to say how our use of smartphones, uh, dependence on smartphones, has changed the makeup of our brains. But I imagine it 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 will have done. Um, it's quite concerning that um, you know Google knows where I am, uh, who I'm with, and where I'm going to hide. Um, and they've bought a company that makes artificially intelligent robots. Uh, so they're coming to get us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And cars. Yeah. And cars. So they can come, the robots can get into the cars that Google are also making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then come and kill you. Yeah, yeah. Google is an incredible, is an incredible example. So I just wrote a story the other day about Google's investment arm, which is called Google Ventures. Um, they have 2.4 billion currently out invested in companies, 2.4 billion uh, since they launched in 2009. And those companies, uh, the biggest uh, area that they invest in is life sciences and health. Google is an internet company, question wow. mark. Um, uh, the Impossible Food brand, uh, the, the burgers that don't have meat, um, which are going to launch in the US next year. Oh, um, that, that I think might be a good thing, right? Because, you know, we've talked about meat episode... Uh, 27. Very good. We talked... No. To, oh. uh, t- we'll come back to you. Episode to be inserted. Uh, we talked about meat and its devastating impact on the planet. 29. Okay. Uh, and, you know, just producing the feed to feed the cows we then kill uh, is is hugely disruptive. So if we can do it in a Petri dish, in a lab somewhere, it's better, isn't it? Yeah, no, so not to suggest that that is a, is a bad idea. And yeah, I th- and I certainly think that, that um, we have to change our diets and our... Um, no, oh, not least because we rear things just to kill them. Uh, all sorts of big arguments why meat is why meat is terrible. It's more, so more I was more getting at is just um, Google's omniscience, uh, if that's the right word, omnipotence, omniscience. Uh, omniscience is knowing everything, isn't it? Well, so they're Om- both, aren't they? Yeah. Omni- <laughs> omnipresence. Omnipresence is everywhere. Omni. Potent, um, um, all powerful. Yeah. Yes. So, well, like, but I mean, so, so, yeah. So, the Omni company. Um, I'd probably make a better word than that later. Some, some kind of portmanteau that includes that. Um, yeah, two point four billion out. Uh, life sciences and health. Yeah. Again. Um, so, not in necessarily investing in bad things, but having such a reach into your life. Uh, the, the second lo- lot of investments is in is in um, consumer products, which has gone up hugely in the last year. Think platforms like me, blogging platform Medium, Project Hunt, Slack. Um, you know, if you uh, Uber, if you use it, Google is there, uh, and that kind. I don't think you could say that at any time in history there has been such a monopoly. Well, maybe you could, um, but um, not in the same way. You know, Ford made cars, and they were the only people that made cars, and everybody had the same car. But it was like that's Ford; they're making that car. What Ford did not own was the utilities and the, you know, um, everything. And you don't even know it. They're just kind of making a sly investment here and there. Um, And so that is of genuine concern to me. um, And how much you're locked into the Apple kind of infrastructure if you're an Mm. iPhone user and you've got um, a Mac and um, an Apple Watch and everything like that. If you bought an Apple Watch, which you probably didn't. and yeah, you're right about social, social inter- interactions. Um, when you see children using iPads and they pick up a magazine and they swipe the magazine because they think the magazine is alive, but it's not. It's it's a magazine. It's yeah. different. Um, I I mean, I still love reading print, and uh, there's going to be a point where people don't. Um, and people say, "Oh, it's great. We can just teach kids how to Google things." It's just like, but that makes for really crap pub quiz teams. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, Kirsty, you are the hostess with the mostess of the Weekly Economics Podcast, which is a thing that is an exceptionally popular podcast, slightly more popular than Sustainable. Well, we haven't checked the most recent figures. No, no. Um, so, you... uh <laughs> self- a magnitude of thousands of times more popular. <laughs> so, you self-avowedly didn't know much about economics when you started and you say that it's been an incredible year of learning stuff what have you learned that you did not know uh, about economics from doing the podcast um so one of the best things i guess is is knowing that it's probably less complicated than they would like you to think that it is um, I had a bit of prior knowledge. Uh, I studied uh, to be a journalist, and some of that is um, looking at the kind of civil, civic infrastructure, you know, Parliament, um, the EU, and things like that. Um, but yeah, things like inflation and interest rates and uh, this stuff that just gets taught, you know, repeated on the radio every single day. Interest rates are the lowest that they've ever been. Interest rates lowest that they've ever been. It's just like, what does that mean? Um, and you know why do you keep saying it why does it matter so yeah knowing that those things are actually much more um, graspable than uh, I might have thought Um, the thing that I constantly come back to is that most government decisions don't seem to make sense economically Which not just economically, huh? <laughs> um, but for for a government that you know, um, you know, Holt pins its colours to its badge and says, you know, we are trying to get the deficit down. Um, we are an economically, you know, uh, prudent uh, administration, and that's our main focus. For a for for a government that says that, I don't think a lot of the things that they do make sense. I think that, that actually the opposite makes sense. Uh, I'm kind of intrigued to know whether anyone in in Parliament or in in our government has the faintest understanding of what's really going on in in tech and is that a problem? Because you see, you know, particularly when you see discussions about Snoopers Charter and stuff and you think, half of you don't even really understand how email works. I I just don't believe that you've got a grasp of of what the real world is like or what the virtual world is like. Yeah, so I think... um what has happened, so the, the uh, magazine I used to work for, Tech City News, um, was based in what uh, became known as Tech City, uh, which is East London to you and me, one of the poorest places in the UK. Um, but um, about five years ago, David Cameron realised that he might be onto something with all these tech startups that had already been there for five years or more. Um, and so put his name on it, slapped Great Britain on the, on the uh, masthead and walked around the world going people come here, invest here, we've got these companies here, they're all really great, they're all innovative, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so to some extent, that meant that they they have engaged with technologists and they do know to a large extent what they're doing. But that project then um, actually made the area unattractive to startups. The reason that they were there was because it was cheap. And um, if you bring in all the blue chip companies, which they have, then that raises the land rates and you can't afford to live there. There's a great example, um, the Bishopsgate Goods Yard. It's been a big campaign against it um, by a campaign group called More Light, More Power. Um, and I hosted an event with the Mayor of Hackney and the Mayor of Tower Hamlets and a couple of other guys. Um, and the Mayor of Tower Hamlets is against this, this development on Bishopsgate Goods Yard. So is the Mayor of Hackney. And that's because it's about 1,300 luxury flats that will be a million pounds plus that nobody in Hackney will be able to afford. And then it's 60,000, I think, square metres of office space, but it's not co-working space. It's not stuff that people could afford. It's not stuff that startups could use. It's, you know, for blue chip companies. And so they've kind of you know, dined out or, or, or shown the world the innovation that was happening here off people's own back and people's own merit and then sold it 
and then invited, you know, the super rich to come and, you know, make it look like they were part of the whole story, which I think is a shame. Um, wider politicians, I mean, there are some good, Chian Wara mm-hmm. from uh, the Labour Party uh, did some stuff around the Labour Party's digital strategy. Um, the fact that none are really coming to my mind. There's um, a couple of tech city kind of entrepreneurs now in the House of Lords. Um, uh, Martha Lane Fox. Oh, who's yeah, a, yeah. Yeah, cross-bench peer. Um, was the founder of lastminute.com. She's got a great story about when um, they were trying to get venture capital funding and the venture capitalist said, are you, you know, worried about when you're going to have to go off and have a baby? <laughs> oh, <laughs> are you yeah. asking me about my reproductive health, sir? Or my startup? <laughs> Um, so there are, and, and, and uh, Baroness Shields, who used to work at Facebook, who's now the Minister for Online Internet Security, I think. But in terms of what I think is the most important thing that we're trying to save right now, which is encryption, which is people's right to privacy, which is people's um, right to, in, you know, if they want to, if we created a personal data market and people are able to interact with companies or um, services as they wish with their personal data identification, then great. But if it's all a kind of facade for the government to make sure that nobody is expressing any opinion that seems to not live you know um uphold the status quo then i think that is a worry and i know i don't think the mps really know enough about it check ignition and may god's love be with you are you excited about the future or are you scared of it? Um, so one of the big announcements made around COP was this um, fund uh, by Zuckerberg, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, sorry, from Facebook, and um, Bill Gates, uh, Richard Branston, and others. Um, Branston? Yeah, the guy like who makes the pickle, the, um, pickle yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, Richard Branston um, and uh, they are they are committing uh, to putting a lot of money into clean tech uh, over the next five years they're also working with 20 heads of government um, to um, it's called Mission Innovation mm. Mm. <laughs> sounds like a film <laughs> um, uh, Mission Innovation 20 heads of government including China and the US and uh, the UK um, to um increase the spending on clean tech by all those governments by a total of 20%, uh, sorry, uh, double it to 20 billion over the next five years. Um, so it sounds like they're moving in the right direction. The Sustainable Innovation Forum at COP was actually pretty disappointing. They had Coca-Cola there. They had BMW owned by uh, the great vol- the vol- great yeah, climate right. cheaters Volkswagen yeah. um, and Coca-Cola, not a notoriously kind of green brand. Um uh, speaking, they didn't. They hardly had any, um, you know, startups or um, any of the tech companies there speaking at that conference, which just seemed like completely balmy to me. Kirsty, thank you very much for being on Sustainable. Not a problem um, at all. I feel like I've just I've babbled. I've lived up to the name. That's <laughs> why we got you on. Is the podcast? Is the weekly economics podcast coming back for the new year? Because there was all that threats that it wouldn't be. It was always going to, wasn't it? Um, and if so, how do people listen to you and find out about what you bang on about and all of that sort of stuff? Yeah, so usually uh, it's me asking the questions, so you don't have to uh, hear all of the things that go on in my brain and it only come out when people ask me. Um, uh, I am the presenter of the Weekly Economics Podcast. We're going to be hopefully uh, getting some uh, incredibly super special guests uh, uh, akin to the ones that we've already had on this year, perhaps some some econo-celebs. 
Uh, oh. May well be on the call. Co- yeah. Yeah. Who? Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't name names. You're going to have to listen. Um, so you can find, you can Google it. It's Weekly Economics Podcast. And uh, you can find it on iTunes. You can find it on SoundCloud. You can use your podcasting app that you prefer to listen to it. Um, and we're, we tweet at Weekly Econ Pod, um, where all the episodes are tweeted out. Um, and yeah, it's every week. It's about economics. It's a podcast. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> So, thank you very much, Kirsty. Thank you very much, Ol. I hope you've had a lovely Christmas by the time you listen to this. <laughs> thank you, yes. It, it was lovely, or I'd horrible. imagine. Or, or maybe not. Maybe or, your now traditional going down the chimney went wrong this time. And just like <laughs> in the film Gremlins, you're currently halfway up the chimney stack rotting. Yes. Well, that's enough of that. Right. Uh, well, yes, that was Christmas. That was Kirsty. This has been Ol and Dave. Thank you very much, as ever, to Dickie Moore and the wonderful Bearcraft who do the music uh, at the beginning and the end and the intertwinklings. And um, oh, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave, for a, a year of perfect babble company oh. um, and all of the joys that you brought along with that. Thank you too, Well, You can get in touch with the show. You can email us at hello at sustainababble.fish. Follow us at The Babble Wagon or find us on Facebook. Just find Sustainababble. All that remains for me to say is goodbye all. Goodbye, Dave, and Happy New Year. Yay. Yay.